0: Satanic beliefs. It contains explicit scenes and descriptions of violent crimes that were committed. We have to protect our country. It's just we the and dancing. can't the we night fell a different world. And if this is thinking, you know. I should be getting this position, not Adam, And this guy's created from dirt.
1: And how did the army feel about you being head of the Temple of Death? And a the conspiracy can say what they will. But... I want you to give me power
0: over Adam. And I want you to give me soldiers and minions and all of these things. <laughs> and <I> have <laughs> and have some... a <laughs>
2: If you give me, like, some prompting, I probably could just talk about Taylor, like, endlessly. And I guess, you know, we do have time, so we can, like, continue. we got a little
1: time left. Um, so, you know, we can, I think, yeah, we could, uh, there's a couple things. You know what? I We didn't really get to circle back around to this uh, article I found comparing Taylor to the Grateful Dead phenomenon. Oh, but right, Yeah. I think, you know, maybe I'll, I'll just re- read a little bit.
0: All right, oh, but right, This is
1: also from, interestingly, this is from fastcompany.com, so this is, like, from a very business marketing uh, standpoint i think it's called uh, why taylor swift is the new grateful dead and what it means for the future of live entertainment from may 26th of this year uh swifties and deadheads have a lot in common including ticket scalping headaches so mm-hmm. you know th- this author talks about their total so- This is, I, mean, I mean it's interesting actually because like i think a lot of the younger swifty fans like their parents are gen xers so arch music hipsters and in many cases like often deadheads right so uh spencer spencer ante writes uh about how like you know his daughter really wanted to see taylor swift for their her 16th birthday and they tried to go i think in philadelphia and like scalp tickets but the ticket prices like never went down and even when they tried to buy some like they couldn't do it uh but he says After seeing the scene with thousands of fans setting up camp outside the arena to take in the show, it struck me that there are a number of striking similarities between Swift's brand and that of one of my favorite bands, the Grateful Dead, including their struggles with ticket scalpers, which could lead to big changes in the future of the live entertainment business and how it's structured. On the surface the two bands couldn't be more different swift is a gifted artist who performs very personal songs for and like good songs um for legions of young female fans in a series of highly choreographed set pieces with dazzling outfits while the dead for most of their career were a bunch of grizzled old bearded guys who were perfectly content playing songs about cowboys hustlers and murdering men dressed in t-shirts and jeans and barely moving on stage but dig a little deeper and you'll find some surprising similarities. Artistically, in their early years, both the Dead and Swift drew on similar musical roots in country and bluegrass, but then evolved and wove other strains into their musical tapestries, including folk, blues, pop, and psychedelia. Both artists are not only musical innovators, but also, singer-song- eh, but also singer-songwriters who, despite covering vastly different territory... Are lyrical geniuses who have developed the canon of classic songs. Paul uh, Swift geniuses, writes or yeah. co writes all of her songs. Why are this you is- fucking
2: kidding me? Oh this, come on!
1: This is this is a real this is this this is a lot. Oh wow! Uh, while, while Swift writes or co-writes all her songs, the Dead wrote by small committee. With so you look of at this like,
2: delusional universe. This is what I'm saying. It's an amazing false consciousness that people revisionist
1: have. history. Um, Again,
2: it's a yeah. It's like it's I don't know if it's a very uh, vulgar application of of the term false consciousness. However, it's bizarre. Like you know, this like it's the same sort of Ryan Adams thing of like it's just it's based on like all the like this sort of magic of perception you know the alchemy of perception here well let like, me finish uh, this sentence sorry, sorry, continue. he
1: says yeah. the dead wrote by a small committee with most of their ditties penned by jerry garcia and lyricist extraordinaire robert hunter okay i don't even think that's true like jerry garcia wrote yeah. like a they were couple written by songs the
0: cia they were written, written by the cia know uh,
1: um, <laughs> <laughs> robert hunter um, and uh mormon you know, Mormon ranching heir uh, John Perry Bar and future CIA contractor John Perry Barlow and also like Dick Cheney's best friend. Uh, I don't know why he doesn't name John Perry Barlow as like instead, you know, revising it to be like, no, 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 Jerry wrote most of the songs. Like maybe Jerry wrote like the music or like the the melody, but you couldn't even say the arrangements because they changed. But yeah, it was like Robert Hunter. They they are emphatically not Songwriters like The Grateful Dead, like that's the yeah. point. They had in-house lyricists, two of them. So, mm-hmm. and then they did a bunch of covers. So, like they're really, and then Jerry had a few. Jerry had a few decent like solo songs, you know, like Deal or whatever, like on his little side records. But uh, I don't even think. Um, no, like Robert Hunter wrote, wrote most of Jerry's songs and John Perry Barlow wrote most of Bobby Weir's songs. So, yeah, yeah the, uh, just the, you know, erasing all the Did different... Did Tucker no.
2: Carlson write this? Like, is I, this like, you know,
1: what? <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, he would. So apparently, you know, he goes on. Both grew over time in incredibly successful commercial acts with cult followings. Believe it or not, after the Dead released their hit album In the Dark in 1987 featuring the smash hit Hell in a Bucket, and grew their their fan base, they were actually the highest grossing musical act for two years in the early 90s. Swift continues to top the album charts and her latest Eros tour with its 44-song set list, damn, 44, is expected to smash current records and be the highest grossing tour of all time. Hmm. The Dead and Swift have amassed the most fervent groups of fans who have matured into flourishing communities with unique cultural rituals. Deadheads and Swifties go, quote, on tour and follow their bands around the country where they bump into friends and other fans. Deadheads exchange custom t-shirts and Swifties give handmade beaded friendship bracelets to their seatmates. Deadheads see multiple shows because the band plays different songs each night and Swifties always look forward to the surprise song she'll play at every concert. Both artists are so popular that thousands of fans come not to see the show, but to hang out in the parking lot and enjoy the music and one another. Similar to the accessory market for the iPhone, Swift and the Dead have even spurred their own secondary economies. When they come to town, small but vibrant economies pop up, driving up hotel and transportation prices while entertaining the locals. The intense loyalty stems in large part from the two-way communication between artist and fan and a bucking of convention designed to protect the community and culture. Due to rampant scalping, the Dead pioneered their own ticket sales operation and were the first band to allow live taping of their shows, presaging the future of digital music and the sharing economy by decades. The Dead realized long ago that bootleg tapes and albums were marketing for the real moneymaker, touring, merchandise, and licensing of their brand. That's definitely true. That's definitely true. Yeah. In 2015, Swift famously flexed and forced Apple to do an about-face and pay artists during a free trial of Apple's new music streaming service. Swift is re-recording her earlier music because she couldn't acquire the rights to her masters. And, you know, goes on to talk about, like, the Ticketmaster thing and how Taylor might, like, strong arm... Congress into, uh, breaking up live nation and Ticketmaster or something along those lines. Uh, that might be wishful thinking, she but also
2: like did like a similar thing with Spotify too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she flexed on them for yeah. the
1: offering, like the free ad supported thing and like yeah. not paying artists based on those streams, I think. Yeah. 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 So she's flexed her muscle in relatively positive ways like within the music industry and has supported yeah whether it's people fighting for i don't know if she gave any money to ed sheeran but he was the latest i mean i kind of hate his music but i hate his music
2: too and i i mean everything has changes okay but i generally i hate i mean as i said i don't like endgame i don't like his appearances on taylor's songs very much either but yeah they're good friends
1: um, yeah. Yeah. And, and I guess he had some uh, he had some legal battle over some copyright issue in his music that I think he won recently. I know that John Fogarty was like championing him super hard. And like, as, as I mentioned, uh, Taylor Swift also funded like Kesha's legal defense against uh, mm-hmm. arch sicko controller handler, Dr. Luke, who got away with it all, I think, and like defeated Kesha. But that's still, I think, it's cool that uh Taylor, yeah. you know, was bankrolling she that had kind her of stuff. Own,
2: she had her own sexual assault trial, which the Red Scare girls mocked her for and uh, took the side of the DJ who groped her and said that they were ruining his life over a... She was ruining his life over a minor groping.
1: Tracks. It definitely tracks. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know. Well, you know, like
2: you can't... Yeah, exactly. You can't expect those. I mean, this kind of standard. So I, I guess, again, in, a, in, a, in an innocent style move, they should be absolved of what they said because they're known for their... um like uncontrollable mean girl energy, and they couldn't, of course, not be positive about like the ultimate queen bee Taylor, you know. So,
1: no, they have to like talk about has she gained too much weight or something like yeah, that, they, even though she looks fine. I
2: th- yeah, like it's I, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I like I certainly Taylor can would. look
1: however she wants.
2: Exactly, she can look however she wants.
1: It's funny how they never go after Lana. They like defend Lana, but then like Taylor gets all for this. Shit some from them for some reason, I feel
2: like hmm. Lana has a like Lana has a similar thing. But I think that she, I think there was also there was always like kind of an ironic element of like the idea that Taylor Swift like back on on poll uh, or you know the four chan board and like in those type of like spaces, um, like there was always kind of like an ironic thing to the idea that Taylor Swift was like right wing. But I, I feel like for that. some reason Lana has like some uh, more of a real cachet there. I mean, Lana and Taylor, like, oh, they I mean, love, you know, yeah, Taylor, they stand Taylor Lana. praised Lana's songwriting, you know, and she was recently on Snow on the Beach and everything, you know, and they're both Antonoff collaborators. So I feel like they're pretty aligned, but I, for some reason, I feel like they take Lana's, like, trad bona fides more seriously, but I don't know why.
1: Well, she just straight up, like, dates cops, you know, so I think, like, she's got a little... And she's always been more, like, problematic, But you what know? was the like,
2: original... Like, yeah, but what was the genesis of it? Like, was it, I mean, I remember she were like video games, but like, why, like, why did she have appeal to begin with? Like, what was probably like, you know, quote unquote problematic about her at first? I think she
1: was just like a, like a pouty, sexy, dark baby who like wanted to be (laughs) Marilyn Monroe and Uh, stuff. I mean, she got shit for being kind of like a, like a rich girl who I think, you know, like got a lot of work done and like changed her name and like, just completely like morphed because she was like lizzie grant like a sort of indie sleaze like up and coming and kind of the same era as like when lady gaga was like trying to start out and then sort of pivoted to this like very echoey dream like sad girl like dream pop kind of uh identity. Yeah, I mean, I really
2: did like her album, Norman fucking Rockwell. I mean, maybe Norman Rockwell, you know, he's kind of a conservative uh, figure, uh, you know, certainly a symbol of traditional Americana. I mean, she also, like,
1: like, she also had, what was her latest thing of, like, their like there's a secret tunnel system like underneath like Santa Monica or something. She oh, has some like right. super yeah. fucking it? title.
2: Yeah. Right. I remember that. Like we all know there's a tunnel under uh, like Santa Monica, something like that. I forget. But yeah. Yeah. yeah she's um, getting
1: into some weird scenes kind of shit. I don't know. I, I respect, I respected this point, like Lana, again, as, like she's like got like her Taylor lane.
2: gives her a to Lana. Then uh, in that, uh, in that respect, I go along with her, but not, with Maddie um did you know there's a tunnel yeah that's like I'm looking I'm reading this article right now why do right-wing men love Lana Del Rey yeah I was thinking I was listening today you know I was I mentioned earlier like Maddie being like you know Taylor Swift coming out you know they had to workshop woke her statement you know uh, everyone knows like you know you accept gay rights and I have to say that you know uh i that's definitely not true i definitely know people who were upset even though she had done 1989 i know people who were upset like because taylor swift's definitely because of her goody goody image like the religious thing like you know she has like i will say there's she's a muslim fan base for sure and i definitely know people who were like concert like more conservative muslims you know who kind of like taylor swift was like their sort of like guilty pleasure like pop indulgence and you know they weren't pleased about that of course you know i'm not agreeing with their perspective, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm disagreeing with Maddie's idea that the, like, you know, this was like totally meaningless. Cause I think that the pers- you know, I'm sure that there were some people who were definitely turned off by it, but Oh yeah, um, no, for
1: sure. I mean, Taylor yeah. occupies like a very rare position in like pop culture of somebody who kind of can appeal beyond like one of the kind of two big, like ideologically charged, like culture demographics, like, uh, over her entire career, I think partly because she started in pop country and then moved into pop after that, like she's always had a kind of accessibility to like middle America and has always like, guarded her image very fiercely to sort of not be pol- like not spend that political yeah. capital her narrative very quickly of it is that uh, the it way maybe the some Dixie other Dixie pop checks. stars did.
2: Yeah, she always said it was because of the Dixie Chicks. Uh, like, when she saw what happened to the Dixie Chicks, and then she never wanted that to happen. So she decided to stay out of politics and was always, you know, praised for not making any political statement, you know.
1: Especially in country at that time. That's that's true, though. I mean, she came out three years after the Dixie Chicks got fucking canceled. For, like, making just like a mild criticism of like George W. Bush. Like, yeah, that is, were, that like, is amazing. Yeah, it's like, the same, literally we're talking, d- just talking about Michael Moore, where
2: it's like, yeah. you know, no, Mr. Bush, we don't support. And everyone's like, boo at the fucking <laughs> Oscars. Yeah. Where like, yeah. you know, yeah. Um, and then, like,
1: like, dropped from their record label at the height of their fame and just totally just like cleared the fuck out. Like, the country lane, especially, had to be purified in like 2003. Like, that was actually probably from the perspective of, like, the Bush administration, probably more dangerous than, you know, way more dangerous than, like, Green Day making American Idiot or a rapper talking shit about Bush. Like, country is, like, hitting in the heartland where you're going to get most of the soldiers from and most of the political support for all this. So, like, even in 2006, that would just almost be, like, everybody had learned the lesson by then that, oh, yeah, no, like, you don't want to go political- I mean, I guess Connor Oberst was doing like when the president talks to God back then. But that was like, you know, very different indie lane that where that shit was okay. It was siloed. But main pop country radio, fuck no. Like that. Yeah. So she came out of that really like depoliticized, like forcibly depoliticized uh, uh, 2000s music milieu. And then it became trendy in the early 2000s. Whether it was like Miley or Katy Perry or other people to start speaking up about like feminism or like pro LGBT kind of stuff. And she held back for a long time and maintained that like kind of apolitical, even as she got more pop. I mean, she did do like boys and boys and girls. She had like a
2: big, well, yeah, Taylor did boys and boys and girls and girls. That was like her activism. Uh, I mean, she, like, she, very early on, like Katy Perry, they both had, I mean, Katy Perry's song was, like, really, like, the chorus, the hook was, like, homophobic, but Taylor definitely did do the gay slur thing in a couple of songs early on. Um, I think, actually, like, the the radio version, the version that became popular, it didn't have it, but in one of her songs, I think it was picture to burn she like threatened to tell everyone like you know that her ex was gay or something oh really
1: yeah yeah she definitely
2: had a version of it that was but yeah i feel like the quieter you are you know staying like staying out of politics is like the closest you get to being like appealing to the right wing like in sort of you know big mega stars like lana and taylor like, the quiet, which Taylor still is relatively quiet. Like I said, even that song, you need to calm down. The video, you know, it has a Fab Five in it, and, like, Ellen, it's, like, you know, but, and it's, like, in you know, this whole thing, but the song itself, even then, is still, like, very close to the chest, I feel like. It's kind
1: of... Well, you could it, almost, like, listening back on it now, because I listened to it last night, it almost, like, could, e- I feel like it could have equally applied to, like, super, like, Russia- gate pilled like trump hating like libs back in like 2018 or 2019 like yeah maybe like y'all need to calm down just like a little bit like the the levels of just screeching exactly like, and ah, saying like yeah like, too and much. saying
2: tell me something to calm down is not like denouncing them per se like it's just saying like relax you know like yeah, it's not yeah. even nec- i mean i feel like there's definitely an expression of disagreement but it's like not It's very it's a very centrist kind of song. um,
1: Like it's just everybody needs to like calm down. Like basically both sides need to calm down. Like
0: yeah, exactly. Everyone so very clever
1: in that way. I mean, she was able Mm -hmm. to dance through that era without necessarily even as she was like going into like her controversial era. Like she was able to walk that line very finely. And I think I think she just has like an experience mostly like derived from praxis because like she really like he, like we talked about earlier she doesn't really have much of like a traditional education to like go by i mean she technically went through high school but half of it was like homeschooling like in that child actor kind of way so yeah like she's not not to say that uh, like she's highly sort of like educated in sort of like her her overall career path uh by this point i think i think she definitely has like a lot of like street smarts and shit but
2: I found this article, uh, the right wing Straussianism of Lana Del Rey. I feel like this is by like this is like my like esoteric uh, Muslim take on Taylor, but this is you know the right wing Straussianism of of Lana Del Rey. Who is Lana Del Rey? To teenage girls, gay men, and money woman on Prozac. She's a symbol of autonomy and independence, <laughs> a sign of American feminist agency. However, underneath the surface of Lana's music, this is like you know kind of like a takiyah based like reading, um, which I think is is interesting, you know. Um, okay. and I think that Taylor has this type of like shifting quality even more than Lana does. Um, but anyway, so underneath the surface of Lana's music, there's, there's an entire world of subterranean political symbolism. Lana is what we call an esoteric or Straussian artist. Her music seems straightforward, but it is all a facade for the real meaning that exists as subtexts. At its core, Lana's music is not a praise of independence, but a warning of impending national tragedy, one that those on the rights have warned us about contra proponents of the contemporary liberal order. Um, What many interpret to be Lana's most unhinged remarks are those terse and lively hints, I guess, of her, you know, uh, real views. The most important blade is her commentary on January 6th. I think for the people who storm the Capitol, it's associated rage. They want to wild out somewhere, and it's like, we don't know how to find a way to be wild in our world. If I go to the Brentwood Country Mart barefoot or whatever, I'm not insane. I'm connected to the earth. I think people are having to reevaluate what is strange and not strange. Like watching people storm the Capitol, everyone gets to look at and figure out what capitals they've been storming this year and their own freaking lives. (laughs) Right.
0: Yeah. I guess. Interesting.
1: I yeah. You know it, uh, I, like interesting. <laughs> I, I don't expect <laughs> pop stars to be like. Yeah. You know, yeah. just have like super well-defined, crystallized like political opinions yeah, about anything. If Taylor but were
2: I, asked that question, she would be like, heach. You know, like that <laughs> would be her answer to that. Yeah. Uh, heech, exactly. Yeah. 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 No. No comment. Um, exactly. Yeah.
1: Like she does not want uh, to fuck with that. No. I think Lana. That is interesting because she was always playing with this like Americana imagery way back in the beginning i think didn't she cast herself and like asap rocky as like john and jackie kennedy like riding in a limo marilyn manson did that too This
2: comes up in this article like look at uh, alana's dating history specifically barry james o'neill and asap rocky o'neill is a classic art deco his classic with a flamboyant persona resembles a 1920s aesthetic uh while his dark folk music is reminiscent of the wartime troubles that simmered beneath the surface of the epic Note the Billie Holiday at the end of Summer Wine, a song they wrote together. ASAP Rocky, in their hand, is a self-proclaimed quote-unquote ghetto rapper. Timing confirms a connection. Art Deco was released in 2015. O'Neill and Lana broke up in 2014. Uh, Lana described O'Neill as emotionally unavailable, synonymous with cold and unsure in the cited passage of Art Deco. And ASAP Rocky expressed interest in Lana over the 2010s. The symbolism of this connection could not be more clear. Art Deco represents white America enriched by generational wealth. (laughs) Wow, so this is like performance art relationship stuff too. That she dated ASAP Rocky as like a sign, like ASAP Rocky represented Black America. And Lana was torn between two aesthetics, two men, two groups, Art Deco and Ghetto, O'Neal and ASAP Rocky, white America and black America. In other words, Lana will not adopt a white liberal's utopic naivete toward the multicultural status quo. Rather, she is conveying the message that America must confront the cultural crisis which wages within. Okay, interesting. (laughs) Okay. There are countless other subtle references to her views in traditional Catholicism, inceldom, and right-wing schizo-culture. Oh no, now I'm starting to wonder if Taylor needs to watch out for Lana as well. Are, is everyone around her you know a, a teal viper a like teal, i don't know like red yeah. scare
1: listener woof <laughs>
2: it's 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 uh, as Olivia rodrigo said it's brutal out here
1: um <laughs> but yeah. interesting interesting
0: for access to the full length episode subscribe to the hour of frequency at patreon.com/subliminal jihad one night a few moons ago i saw what could have been lights but it might just have been you Let <cười>